0: flushcare.com/weightloss story time Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com/slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I've always been a loner, preferring the quiet company of the woods over the incessant chatter of people. Hunting was my escape, my way of reconnecting with nature and testing my skills. It was on one of these solitary hunts that I came face to face with something I could never have imagined. I had just purchased a brand new night vision scope and was eager to test it out in the deep woods. The darkness was thick, like a heavy blanket draped over the landscape, but with my new scope, I felt as if I had been granted superhuman sight. The thrill of stalking my prey through the shadows sent a shiver down my spine. It was well past midnight when I found myself at the edge of a large clearing, scanning the area for any signs of movement. Suddenly. I heard a sound that made my heart skip a beat, a woman's scream, echoing through the night. It was a chilling sound, one that sent a wave of unease through my body. But as I looked closer through my scope, I saw something I couldn't quite make sense of. An animal-like shape, rising from the ground, appeared to be producing the sound. It was as if this creature was mimicking a human, sending its eerie cries out into the night. Fear gripped me and I muttered under my breath, this isn't right. Taking a deep breath, I raised my rifle and sent a couple of warning shots whizzing over the creature's head, hoping to scare it off. But to my horror, it didn't flinch. The screams continued, growing louder and more desperate. I knew I couldn't stay there any longer. Whatever this thing was, it wasn't natural, and I wasn't about to stick around to find out what it wanted. With my heart pounding in my chest, I turned and sprinted back the way I had come, my breaths ragged and uneven. As I made my way through the woods, the woman's scream still echoed hauntingly behind me. I didn't dare look back, fearing that the creature might be following me. I didn't stop running until I reached my truck, my hands shaking as I fumbled with the keys and jumped inside. That night, I swore to myself that I would never venture into the woods alone again. The memory of that encounter haunts me to this day, and I can't shake the feeling that whatever that creature was, it's still out there, waiting for its next unsuspecting victim to stumble into its path. I'm a hunter, I like to hunt wild boar specifically. Though I have been deer hunting and have been known to get a turkey for Thanksgiving I mostly hunt boar. For those of you that don't know. Boar are a big problem in the United States. A sow can have two litters a year and it's not uncommon for a litter to consist of ten or more pigs. Given that pigs eat anything and everything it's not hard to see why the Department of Fish and Wildlife makes it legal to hunt them with almost no restrictions. In my state it's illegal to hunt most large mammals with night or thermal vision scopes, with the exception of boar and coyote. I've been saving for a year, mostly fun money. It's hard to explain to your wife that a scope that costs literally twice as much as the rifle I was mounting it on was worth it. But I did it, I took it to a range and sighted it in. There was an area that was peppered with boar activity that I knew would be perfect for a night hunt. It was easily accessible with my truck with easy to find spots that I could set up in that overlooked a large easy to navigate clearing. The night started uneventful, mostly me tinkering with my new toy cycling through the settings. I was a little impatient, I'd spotted multiple deer but they were out of season and like I mentioned earlier, my current setup wasn't legal for deer. I moved to another spot I'd seen days earlier that probably wasn't much better than my first but it gave me something to do and a new angle to look around with my new scope. After an hour or so of glassing the area it dawned on me. This spot doesn't have much animal activity at all, No rabbit or owls, the deer that I'd seen were hundreds of yards from where I was. Why was this pocket of land so dead at night but lively in the day? I'd set up around 10 PM and it was about 2 AM when I started to think about packing up, maybe setting up a target before I left and taking some practice shots. I heard a crunch come from the direction I came from before. I panned my scope over and saw the silhouette of a small bear pushing through the bushes. It's important to note that my scope isn't exactly night vision. It's a thermal scope, kind of like a black and white version of what you see in the Predator movies. I adjusted my range and zoomed in a little. I remember jolting a little when I saw that it wasn't really a bear, it was a man. Because he was so low and hunched over I thought I was looking at a young bear. Is that a game warden? It couldn't be, I would've seen the headlights coming up the road from where I was perched. And where could he have walked from? I was 30 miles away from anything and on public lands. I was about to call out when I adjusted my sights and noticed, he was naked. No shoes, pants or anything. I remember being disturbed by his movements, like a squirrel or something. Twitchy and grabbing at the foliage, sniffing around and palming the tree. Was that my tree? The one I'd been leaning against earlier? The thought terrified me could he smell me? Then he did something I still have nightmares about today. He squatted and placed his hands in the dirt between his feet and stared straight up like a dog mid-howl. And I heard it, a voice coming from that direction, a very compelling female voice. Help! I'm lost. There was a long pause but neither of us moved a muscle. The center of my sights was trained at the dirt in front of his feet, I couldn't bring myself to aim directly at another person. It went against everything I'd been taught about firearms. Were they lost? Was this some guy that had gone crazy out here? Why was his voice so feminine? Help! Please! I can't walk. The voice called out. That's when I called bullshit. Not only could he walk, when I first saw him he was traversing the land with ease for a naked person. So good I mistook him for a bear. That's a trap this guy is trying to lure me to him with a damsel in de-stress routine. Luckily the lack of activity before it caused me to pack up most of my gear. I think I may have left behind a hat and a sitting pad but I didn't give a shit in that moment. I took my eyes off him for a moment to get my pack on. I buckled my chest strap and scrambled for my rifle. To my horror, he was in the same position but his face was staring in my direction and I swear I saw a smile, The thermal scope has an effect that makes animals' eyes appear white. How the hell had he heard me get up and put my gear on? He must have easily been 150 yards away. F off. I screamed in that direction. He stood upright and it hit me how tall and skinny he was. Easily six feet and very lean. He took a couple of long strides in my direction and I instinctively sent a round sailing above his head into the tree line. He was freaky as hell but he hadn't really threatened me, what would I tell the cops? I was unwilling and unready to shoot someone. He stopped dead in his tracks and hunched down on all fours. The next one will F you up. Go away. He stayed on all fours and this time I had my sights trained on the center of him. His eyes were just above the grass like a large cat or something. I was trying to stop my trembling and knew that my voice had cracked a little on that last warning. I was terrified, that standoff probably only lasted a minute or two, maybe less, but it felt like forever. In an instant he bolted left towards the treeline opposite the road. So much for not being able to walk, I could barely keep him in my scope he was moving so fast. He disappeared into the brush and I sent another bullet sailing high in his direction. I racked another round and tried to pocket that mag and swap for a fresh one, but I dropped it and didn't bother looking for it. I wasn't far from my truck and I wanted to get out of there. I could hear him in the distance, yelling in this weird sound that could have been a laugh or a cry. I scrambled up the trail and arrived at my truck breathless. I tossed my gear into the cab but kept the rifle in the passenger seat and sped off. For the longest time I told that story from the perspective of having spotted some deranged crackhead living off the land like some kind of caveman. I reported it to fish and game but all they did was scold me for hunting at night alone, never received an update. It wasn't until I told this story at a camping trip that my nephew told me about Wendigos, rakes, and skinwalkers. My story scared the piss out of him because the spot we were camping was technically the same forest I'd seen the bastard. Just 50 miles east of it. He was so spooked his mom, my cousin, had to take him home. She was really pissed. I've gone down the rabbit hole won these scary stories. I'm not saying what I saw definitely was a wendigo or a skinwalker. I'm saying that if such a thing exists, I may have dodged quite the bullet that night. Or maybe it was just a tweaker being Donnie Thornberry in the middle of the night. Either way, thought I'd share. Edit. Believe what you like. These are events as I recall them. And no, I'm not a writer. I'd wanted to be a police officer ever since I was just a little boy. I have dressed up for one every single Halloween that I can remember. There simply wasn't any other job that I ever had an interest in. This is probably due to the fact that my own father was a more well-known officer in the LAPD and my role model for everything in my life. As soon as I completed high school, I immediately tried to get enrolled in the police academy, got accepted, and began my training. Recently, I just celebrated 10 years since getting my gun and badge. I've loved every minute of the job. Thanks to my father, I've met all kinds of twisted and dangerous deranged people though. But I've never felt scared. Every encounter with them just made my desire to protect and serve stronger. That's why the only time I've ever actually felt fear was when I was confronted with something non-human. It's something I still can't explain today. It happened sometime in August. Me and my partner were in our car, and we got a call over the radio from an address not far from us. A man calling 911 claimed there was an intruder in his house. We rushed to the address as fast as possible and got to the front door. There was no sign of a forced entry, but the door was unlocked, so we very slowly went inside and began scouting the house. After a couple of minutes, There was only one room left that we did not clear, and the door was locked. And we stated that we were the police, and the owner of the house opened the door, coming out of the bathroom with a knife in his hands. As soon as he saw us, he looked relieved and put down the weapon. He explained that he lives there alone and he heard a door in the house open and closed just before he fled, walking himself in the bathroom. There wasn't really much we could do to help. We looked around for any shoe prints or tracks or fingerprints, but nothing. There was no sign of anybody coming in. We advised him to lock the door and call us again if anything happened or if he saw anything. We were gonna head back. That same night, the dispatcher got a call from the same address and again, it was the same man claiming somebody is inside the house trying to break in the bathroom door. He truly sounded sincere and looked worried. This time, The front door was locked, and we had to break in. But after scouting the house again, we did not find anybody inside. Also, no signs of a forced entry either. When the man came out of the bathroom, he was pale and looked rather terrified. After we talked to him again, my partner and I went outside and discussed the situation in private. We were absolutely sure nobody else could have been in the house but we also agreed he doesn't look like he is making things up or crazy or delusional. He was your average 40-year-old man. We concluded that he might be delusional though, so we decided to go through his medical records to see if we can dig up anything in his past. Perhaps there was a possibility of mental illness. We did not learn anything that would support this idea. But we did find something very strange. This man, in the past, had reported his wife missing about a week earlier. Police still had not found her. I asked around a little bit. I could not find much. Something was off about all of it. I could not sleep that night, thinking about everything. We had checked multiple records and after time, discovered that he didn't try to contact the police or anything about his wife since the day he had reported her missing. He was becoming more and more suspicious. So one evening. I decided to stake out at his house to see if I can find out anything. I parked my personal vehicle nearby and waited. Around midnight, the police got a call again. It was from the same man claiming somebody was inside. I've been outside his house now for the last couple of hours and was definitely sure nobody got in or out. A little bit after the call, I could see a silhouette walking around the house. I contacted the dispatcher he told them he was hiding in the bathroom. I was completely puzzled and clueless about what is happening, so I decided to go inside alone instead of waiting for backup. I was certain somebody was going to walk in the house. I picked a lock and slowly made my way inside, sneaking around. I could hear somebody banging on the door of the bathroom. When I got closer, nobody was there, and the only sound was the man crying in the bathroom. I managed to get him to come out and sat down to talk to him. I assured him that I believe that something is going on, confronting him about his missing wife. As soon as I mentioned her, his expression and demeanor changed completely. He didn't look sad, just some sort of worried, and said that she had been gone now for a while. He didn't get any news or updates from the police. Something was off about the entire situation, but I could not put my finger on it, not yet. We had finished the conversation. I told him I will come back again to ask some more questions and began to leave the house. He remained sitting on the sofa. I was almost out the front door when I heard steps behind me. I thought he was following me, but when I turned around, he wasn't there. Instead, I saw a figure in a white dress approaching him. I pulled out my gun and slowly pointed it at the figure. When the man noticed the silhouette as well, he let out a horrifying scream. At first, after the scream, I could hear him mumbling something about being impossible, and I heard him apologize. He was screaming that he is sorry. I was completely puzzled. Then things became even more strange and unexplainable. The figure in the white dress grabbed the man by his neck and began choking him. I began to yell, commanding it to stop, but it did not listen. I took a shot aiming at the shoulder, But the bullet passed right through it. And now I'm scared and confused. So I mindlessly fire three more rounds, and all of them ended up going straight through. I charged with my body to grab the person or thing and went through it as well, hitting into the wall. My mind could not comprehend what had happened. I looked up. The figure was clearly a woman. Her face was expressionless, and she did not speak. She stood there choking the man before my very eyes. I could not do anything. I called for backup on my radio, but pretty soon the man on the sofa had collapsed. The woman in the white dress released his body and began walking away towards the yard. I stood up, checked the man's pulse. He wasn't breathing. He was dead. So I decided to follow the woman. She walked away slowly without making a sound toward the tree in the garden and then finally vanishing. When I got to the tree, I saw the dirt under it that it was different than the rest of the garden. I began digging with my bare hands. After a little while, the stench. I began digging even faster and discovered a body, rather a head to be more precise. The skin was already decomposing, and half the flesh was devoured. When the paramedics arrived, they examined the man and could see my pile of vomit right next to it. After I'd found it, the reason of death was concluded to be asphyxiation, but there were no visible marks that would indicate somebody had strangled him. The only thing paramedics could conclude is that he had stopped breathing. But I know what happened. I don't know how it's possible, but I am certain that the ghost of his dead wife, I sound so ridiculous even typing this out. But the ghost of his dead wife that was buried in the yard came back and had its revenge. For the rest of the police and doctors, this man's death will stay a mystery. I will not say what I saw. I would have my badge revoked and be sent off to the loony bin. Nobody would believe me. But after this, I believe that paranormal and ghosts are very, very real. I had just enlisted in the Forest Service in 2006, and was working in the Algonquin Park for the summer time. I never understood why they paid me as little as they did for all the things I had to deal with. To give you some more context, the Algonquin Park is this massive wildlife preserve full of moose, black bears, elk, etc., and this is why it makes it such an excellent tourist trap. We're always finding weird things too, like tracks and scat which is pretty normal, but not when you find human-looking scat and four times the size. That's when things begin to get very unnerving. In fact, I had several people on a trail, a very popular trail which name and route I won't mention, but they had reported seeing very large piles of human scat along the side. After being disgusted, Thinking somebody could not wait to find the bathroom or was just simply going in the great outdoors far too close to a road that people travel, after inspection, this was far larger than any human could produce. Also, around the scat pile were these massive footprints that were evidently from a bipedal being. Nearby these prints are large blackberry bushes, meaning that whatever was around here was probably eating berries and doing its business. I never thought Bigfoot was a possibility, but the more and more I see this kind of stuff, the more evidence I'm exposed to, the more I'm becoming a believer, I should say. About 13-15 years ago, my now wife and I were driving from Virginia to Tennessee. We were in the mountains, on the interstate, I-40, in the middle of nowhere. I don't think I was more than an hour or two past I-81, but I could be wrong, it was a while ago. It was pitch black, late at night, nobody else on the road. A few cars drove by on the other side of the interstate from time to time, heading east, not in our direction. However, we were the only car on this stretch of the road, in either direction, at the time of our sighting. A large creature ran across the interstate, from our left to the right toward the woods. It sort of galloped like a horse, but its mouth, teeth, and face were very canine, upper body thick, lower body thin, like a dog. Its body somewhat resembled a wolf, but it was too tall to be one, especially for Tennessee, it was as tall or slightly taller than our car. Its upper body was very thick compared to its lower body. It paused between the lanes, looked at us, then darted into the woods. I'm a logical person, INTJ, but the creature struck fear in both of us. A friend later told me that we might have seen a balding black bear. But, given the size and body shape, I just don't think that was the case. We both talk about the sighting from time to time. For geographic context I live in the middle of nowhere in Texas between New Mexico and Oklahoma. A lot of open farmland in these parts. I moved back to my childhood home with my father back in May 22nd and I had started hearing knocks above my bedroom window on the house at night. One night around 10 or 11 pm I was walking from my car to the front door which is around 50 feet and I heard someone walk up behind me and ask me what I was doing here. I recently moved back but all of out neighbors have been here since I was a kid and all knew me. When they're all old men too I know their voices. This wasn't anyone I knew. When I turned around there wasn't a soul in sight to have run away from where I could see them it would have been 100 yards to the nearest bush or house behind me. Things are spread far apart in my neighborhood. It's a rural area. I haven't heard voices anymore but I continue to hear bangs consistently around the front door and the wall my bed is nearest. I've also been staying in a more populated city with my boyfriend half of the week and very rarely do I hear the knocks and bangs while I'm there with him. We've also installed doorbell cameras but they never catch anything? Not even normal explanations for the banging around the door? When the banging happens the camera is never activated to take a video. This has all been going on for almost a full year now? What do y'all think? To set things up, me 19 female and my boyfriend 26 male both have extensive experience in the woods. I hiked across the Pacific Trail from Ashland to the Bridge of the Gods at the border of Washington and that took six weeks. I've always enjoyed the outdoors and I've never felt unsafe even when getting close to wildlife such as bears. My boyfriend grew up in a rural area surrounded by farmland so he's also comfortable with the outdoors. We decide to go camping at a lake which is about 45 minute away from Yakima, Washington, and this region of Washington has an abundance of Native American land, history, and native people of course. Not sure if it's relevant, but I thought I'd add it. We end up getting to the lake at about 10.45 pm. As we pull into the entrance, I immediately get a bad feeling. I have only felt something like this a handful of times in my entire life. I tell my boyfriend basically this place is giving me a bad vibe, man and he says I'm just scared of the dark, utterly dismissing my feelings. As we round a curve, I'm struck with the reality that I've had a dream about this place, his car, a Crown Victoria, the specific shape of the road, the light from his headlights, it wasn't vu It was straight out of a dream I had when I was maybe 12 years old. I tell my boyfriend I've dreamt about this place everything about it. I go into more detail than that, but you get the idea. In my dream, there was a pale, creepy face with reflective eyes staring at me through the trees, and I just remember running as fast as I can from it down the road. Again, he considers what I'm saying but ultimately disregards it. We pull up to the campsite and set up pretty fast. Maybe 15 minutes and we've got our tent up, a fire going and my boyfriend has a cigar lit since he's terribly addicted to the nasty things. As we sit around the campfire, he's puffing away, and suddenly we hear this wildly loud screaming. It sounded like a group of college kids screaming their drunken asses off, but it didn't sound quite right if that makes sense. It sounded like men and women screaming in perfect unison, the high and low screams melding together. I instantly try to rationalize the strange sound, It was maybe a mile away just over a hill, possibly. Moments later, we hear it again. But on the opposite direction. And it's closer. Now probably a half a mile away. I swear to God it sounded more disturbing, realizing that sound is not human at all. I don't know if it was more distorted and alien or if the proximity allowed me to hear it better. We begin to quietly discuss how that sound is not normal. Neither of us in all of our years of hiking and traveling have ever heard something remotely like that. Moments later, the sound is not further than a football field away. My boyfriend puts his cigar down, grabs his gun, and we agree to ignore it and no longer speak of it for the rest of the night. We hop in our tent and wake up to a gorgeous sunny day. His cigar was missing that next morning. We talked about it a bit that day and it still freaks us out thinking about it. I believe that when it sounded far away, it was actually very close. These creatures have an ability to sound far away when really, they're not far at all. I heard from some people that the further they sound, the closer they are. Thoughts, feelings, opinions? Story is 100% real by the way. My friends and I like to go camping when there is a lot of snow out because it's just different and really isn't too bad. As long as you know how to pack for snow and properly layer. Another reason we really like to go then is because there is so few people and we like to shoot guns and the less people there, the less complications that go with that. With that I'll explain what happened. Myself and two of my friends, we will just refer to them as Chris and Dean. Went out to find a spot to park our vehicles and hike out a bit in the snow to find a spot to camp up on a mountain that was just past the southern part of Rimrock Lake, past the airport a bit. We find a spot that is clear of snow that snowmobilers use to park their trucks and unload their snowmobiles. From there we see a trail that doesn't look like it has deep snow, so we decide to go down it a bit and see if we can get closer to the mountain since it would be a lot less walking. We make it about halfway there and both Deans' jeep and my truck get stuck and we can't get them out at all. We decide to go up the mountain a bit and see if we can get cell service so we can call Deans uncle since we knew he owned a recovery rig he built for the snow. We go up, bringing our rifles with us, and we come to a clearing with some piles of wood pallets. Dean's phone gets service and he calls his uncle and said he can come help us out but probably won't be until morning since he's out of town that day. We tell him it's fine since we were staying the night anyway. So while we're just hanging out we decide to staple some paper targets to the pallets to shoot it since it was a good area with a backstop to shoot. We shoot for about 30 minutes and hear a scream like you described but it sounded pretty far away. Chris doesn't really camp that often so he was commenting on how weird it was and myself and Dean were like a probably just snowmobilers around or something, even though we didn't see anyone near us at all. We keep going until it starts to get dusk and we hear it again and it sounded closer. We all kinda looked at each other acknowledging that it was weird and decide to head down to where the vehicles were stuck and set up camp there since Dean forgot his sleeping bag in the jeep. We start walking down again and the scream happened again but in the opposite direction. We start to move a little bit quicker down the hill and get to our vehicles and start setting up tents and everything. We are in the middle of that when the scream happened again but sounded close as F. We all stop and look at each other and decide to grab our rifles and look around. At this point it's pretty dark so we really couldn't see much but myself and Chris had weapon mounted flashlights on our rifles so we just turned them on and started scanning the area but didn't see anything out of the ordinary. After that we didn't hear it again. Next day Dean's uncle came out and pulled us out of the snow. We tell him the story, he's been going there for like 30 plus years, and he said very nonchalantly yeah that shit happens, I don't know what it could be but that's why I just bring a high power rifle lol. I heard screams like that before but I always thought it was just people partying in the woods since it always happened in the spring summer. It happening in the winter when there is feet of snow was spooky since there really isn't a lot of people that camp out there during that time. Since then it's made me rethink if it really is just people partying in the woods or something else. I don't know what it could be but it is very strange and like I said at the beginning, I just chalk it up to the woods or just spooky like that lol. I live in a very small town in Kansas, and last night I woke up to every dog in the town barking. Then all of the sudden something started making a noise like I've never heard before and all the dogs got quiet. This thing sounded like it was three or four blocks away and then within a second it sounded like it was in my backyard. I could hear it moving outside my house, then it would sound like it was blocks away again. And it just kept repeating the howl it was making. It kept doing this for about 15 minutes. I'll never forget that camping trip. The one that left me questioning everything I thought I knew about the woods. My family and I had just moved to Oregon from Colorado, and we were eager to explore our new surroundings. We decided to embark on our first camping trip in our new state, choosing a spot at the base of Mount Hood near Clear Lake. Little did we know what awaited us. We passed several campsites as we drove around the lake, eventually turning off onto a very overgrown road. Our four-wheeler strained under the onslaught of branches and bushes, but we pressed on. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I wanna talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Determined to find the perfect campsite. When we finally arrived at our destination, we were surprised to find a huge pile of firewood, enough to last us for days. Strange, I thought wondering if the previous campers had heard something unsettling and decided to leave in a hurry. As we set up camp, our usually calm dog began to act strangely, barking and growling at seemingly nothing. We dismissed his behavior as a reaction to the new environment and carried on, not realizing the significance of his actions. That night, as we sat around the fire, we heard strange noises coming from the woods. At first, We thought it might be other campers playing a prank on us, but the sounds grew more and more unnerving. It was as if someone, or something, was circling our campsite, watching us from the shadows. As the hours passed, the noises intensified, and our dog grew increasingly agitated. Fear crept into our hearts as we huddled together, wondering what could be lurking out there in the dark. Finally, unable to bear the tension any longer, we decided to pack up and leave. We hastily gathered our belongings and piled into the four-wheeler, our dog still barking and snarling at the unseen presence. When we returned to Clear Lake the following summer, we discovered that the road leading to our campsite had been closed. The reasons for the closure remain unknown, but I can't help but wonder if others had experienced the same unsettling events we had. I don't know what we encountered that night, but one thing is certain. The memory of that camping trip will stay with me for the rest of my life, a chilling reminder of the mysteries that lurk in the shadows of the woods. My most recent one was fairly tame compared to some of the encounters I've had. Me and my now ex-girlfriend then-girlfriend had decided to take a hiking trip. We rented a small one-bedroom cabin near the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina. Our plan was just to spend the days hiking and enjoying the scenery and come back to the bed. At night everything was great. For the first three days we had only rented the cabin for three days but we wanted to still hike so we put everything in our car parked at one of the trailheads. I decided that we were going to spend the night out on the trail. It was about noon when we started hiking. Everything was great we decided at about 7.30 that night we would set up camp on the side of the trail that's when I begin hearing strange noises coming from the woods. I also smelled the familiar smell. I told my girlfriend we need to leave but she didn't listen she said it was fine. And it was too dark to go back anyways. Somehow she convinced me that everything was going to be okay even though in the back of my mind I knew what was in those woods, as I have had several encountered before this. We settled in the camp, cooked dinner at food and were getting ready for bed when I got this terrible feeling. I'm not one to trust my gut feeling normally but hearing those noises and smelling that smell, I told my girlfriend we need to go now. So we grabbed a couple things, flashlights, my hunting rifle, extra batteries, first aid kit, that kind of stuff. And we were going to hike to the ranger station about 5 miles away. As we begin hiking there I'm hearing something running through the woods almost keeping pace with us. When I stopped. It stopped. And as soon as I started walking again it started walking again. I didn't know what to do. At this point my girlfriend thinking it was just a bear told me to get my gun out and shoot at it. I told her no it's not a bear, it's something worse. She was confused. I told her we should just keep walking if it's not showing itself to us right. Now there's a reason so we continue walking to the ranger station. We got the clearing where the ranger station was. That's when I actually saw it. This particular dog man was about 8 feet tall and either dark grey or black. I told my girlfriend to run and to get to the ranger station and get inside. It wasn't very far, only about a 100 feet. I was right behind her keeping my eye on the dog man. The entire time we made it inside safely and told the ranger that was on duty about what happened. He said he'd seen this thing before and that we were lucky to survive. When I was just a kid, I lived in a rural area in central Indiana, surrounded by open fields and dense woods. The nights were dark and quiet, punctuated only by the sounds of crickets and the occasional howl of distant coyotes. It was a simple life, but I loved it. One night, when I was about 10 years old, I awoke with an overwhelming urge to relieve myself. My family's house didn't have indoor plumbing, so I had to step outside to do my business. I groggily pulled on my boots and trudged out into the chilly night, the full moon casting eerie shadows across the yard. As I approached our old rusty pickup truck parked near the edge of the woods, I unzipped my pants and began to pee. It was then that I noticed something strange. There was a looming presence behind the truck, almost as if it was hiding there. My heart skipped a beat, and I squinted my eyes to try to make out what it was. The creature stood about seven feet tall, with thick, shaggy red hair covering its body. Its eyes seemed to pierce through the darkness sending shivers down my spine. The air around it was heavy with a sort of energy that whispered into my soul, urging me to leave immediately. I didn't need any more convincing. I zipped up my pants and bolted back into the house, slamming the door behind me. My mother, woken by the noise, came rushing into the room, her face etched with concern. I breathlessly recounted what I had seen, my voice shaking as I described the strange creature, Without wasting any time, my mother decided that we needed to move. She never told me why, but I think she believed in what I saw that night. We packed up our things and left our rural Indiana home behind, moving to a bustling city far away from the woods and the creature that had frightened me so. As I grew older, I would occasionally come across stories of Bigfoot and other cryptids, but none of them seemed to match the description of the creature I had seen that night. It wasn't until I stumbled upon the movie Underworld and other werewolf films that I began to wonder if what I had witnessed was a werewolf. The resemblance was uncanny, but I still wasn't sure. Then one day, I discovered the story of the Beast of Bray Road. As I delved into the documentaries and witness accounts, I felt a chill run down my spine. This was it. This was what I had seen all those years ago. The descriptions matched almost perfectly from the red hair to the menacing energy. I've spent years researching the Beast of Bray Road and other similar sightings, trying to understand the creature that haunted my childhood. I don't know if I'll ever find the answers I'm looking for, but one thing is certain, that fateful night in rural Indiana changed my life forever, and I'll never forget the chilling presence of the creature that lurked behind the truck. For this story we have to rewind until last summer, until the night of August 12th specifically, the night the Perseids take place. With the intention of watching the meteor shower my partner and I packed a towel and some takeout dinner and headed to a huge park in our city. In this park there's this big wooded area that we thought was ideal to watch the sky since it was in almost pitch darkness. We had to use our phone's flashlight to navigate it and choose a place to lay down our towel, just so you picture how dark it was. So we get there, we turn off the flashlight and I play some chill music on my phone. We're both looking at the sky. If we looked around us we saw pitch black, the only light was in the horizon line. It may seem irrelevant at this point, but I was wearing a sundress that had to be tied around the waist, and I untied it to be more comfortable in the position I was laying. After 5-10 minutes of unsuccessfully trying to see a shooting star, I lower my sight and start taking notice of our surroundings. To my left, my boyfriend is sitting to my right, still looking at the sky, I notice some movement. I try to focus my eyes on it. I only see an outline but I can tell there's something approaching us. My first thought is oh, there's a dog but for some reason I feel unsettled and can't take my eyes off it. As it comes closer and I can see more of it, thanks to the distant lights in the horizon line. I tell my partner there's something coming towards us, I believe it's a dog. Before I even finish the sentence it hit me, it's not a dog, it's a man. He's crawling on all fours in an animalistic way, with his chest close to the ground. My boyfriend bolted on his feet. I felt paralyzed in fear while he urged me get up. I'll grab our stuff, you have to get up. I was trying to tie my dress back but I was so nervous that I couldn't. Come on, we need to leave. He took my hand and we started rushing through the woods towards the lit part of the park. I couldn't stop looking back. We were both very shaken up and honestly, I'm so thankful I wasn't alone in the woods that night. When my mother was a child, she lived with my grandmother in a place full of woods, there were more woods than houses. You couldn't call it a street or a neighborhood, it was a more reserved area where the houses were well away from each other, and there were so many trees and tall bushes that at night everything was dark. They didn't describe me very well, but I was very reserved. My mother had a dog, Toby. One night my mother and my grandmother were at home as usual and they heard noise in the wood outside, the wood was for renovating the house, and it was right next to the house with Toby's house. My grandma went to see what he was doing and when she went to scold Toby for messing with the wood she saw Toby's head come up and look at her, but he lifted his head so high my grandma saw the back of the thing. She described what she saw as a person walking on all fours with their feet and hands touching the ground, but covered in black fur and a dog head. Before returning home running she noticed the real Toby scared to death inside his little house. Days later, Toby started to get sick. He didn't eat properly anymore and wouldn't leave the house. He was so scared to leave the house that he would poop inside. My mother was only 11 years old, she went into despair when he started to go blind, just out of nowhere. His fur also started to fall out and he got sick inside his own little house and unfortunately died of fear. The same thing happened to a neighbor's dog, but he didn't die, he was temporarily blind. Now with the chickens from another neighbor, it was completely different. Think about it, if you kill a single chicken, won't the whole chicken coop make noise? Especially if you open their bellies. Well, that's not what happened. Each of the chickens were plucked from the coop and had their bellies brutally slit open, without making a sound. My mom and I were talking about that time and she told me that the thing probably tried to mimic Toby's appearance and that the blindness was a way for the thing to stun prey it was going to eat. These may seem like incoherent theories, but she analyzed the supposed skinwalker as a predatory animal, which would have its hunting tricks. This is my first post so please bear with me. I'm female and when I was in my early 20s, something really strange happened and I've never forgotten it. It was a December night, cold, crisp, and the moon was out. I'd been out drinking with a couple of friends at one of those quaint pubs you get in rural Scotland. It was only a mile or so from my home and I'd only had about two or three drinks so when it was time to call it a night, I said my goodbyes and started walking along the road, which I'd done many times before. Now on this road there's an old burial ground on a double bend and although there are stories of ghosts, I've never believed them. Anyway, up ahead I saw a person with a flashlight and what looked like a dog. I lost sight of them behind a few trees, saw them again, and lost them again. As I got close to where I'd expected to pass them, the person, a man, appeared from nowhere right in front of me, the dog at his heel. And when I say right in front of me, I mean less than 12 inches away. My hackles went up but I kept going sidestepping him. He didn't speak to me but stared right at me, or through me would be more accurate. A few steps further on, I glanced over my shoulder and the whole place was in darkness again, no man, no dog and no torchlight. All I could make out was the burial ground to my left. But there was this deathly silence that had fallen over the place. I hurried home and when I told my friends a week later, they all looked at each other ready to laugh, except one. Jane, one of my oldest friends, had experienced the same thing the year before when walking to her house, around 300 yards from mine, but thought no one would believe her so had never mentioned it to us. I don't know. Was it a ghost? Was it just a man out walking his dog? Could it have been a homeless guy? Or was it something else? I mean I'd never seen him before and I know the locals as it's a tight-knit albeit scattered community. It's been a good few years since that night and nothing else like that has happened but Jane still refuses to walk along that road alone. I always longed for an escape to nature. So, when I had the chance to work as a nature tour guide in the Appalachians a year ago, I jumped at the opportunity. The employee housing was in the middle of nowhere, which added to the charm of the job. Fast forward to spring break, I decided to return to my old stomping grounds for a week. I invited two of my friends, Sarah and Jake, to join me for the trip. We planned to explore the area and have some good old-fashioned fun, starting with a visit to a dive bar located about 25 minutes away from our housing. One evening, we set off for the bar, driving down a dark, unlit highway that cut through the heart of the Appalachians. Despite its remote location, the highway was busier than one would expect. It had one lane going in each direction, with the only source of light coming from the passing cars. As we drove, a couple of cars flashed their brights at us. Unsure of the reason, we slowed down, especially as we approached a curve to the right. That's when we saw him, a man in the middle of the opposite lane, dancing and swaying like a madman. It was pitch black and the only time we could see him was when our headlights illuminated his erratic movements. Sarah and I were terrified, certain that he was going to get hit. We flashed our lights at the oncoming cars, hoping to warn them of the danger lurking around the bend. With bated breath, we pulled over, rolled down our windows, and waited for the inevitable crash. But there was no noise. No crash. Nothing. Baffled, we debated our options turn around, continue to the bar, or call 911? Eventually, we decided to turn around and check on the man. As we approached the bend, we saw him again, still in the middle of the road, causing cars to slam on their brakes and swerve around him. It was clear that he was homeless and on drugs. His erratic movements were frightening, and we couldn't believe what we were witnessing. Suddenly, we found ourselves in a standoff with the man, unable to move as a car was coming in the opposite direction. Once the car passed, I yelled at Jake to drive, fearing that the man could have a weapon. He floored the accelerator, and we sped off just in time to see the man reach for our car door handles. Panicking, I dialed 911 and reported the incident. We continued on our way to the dive bar, still shaken by what had just happened. On our way back from the bar, We noticed that the area was calm, with no sign of the man or any commotion. Later that week, we crossed paths with a park ranger named Ben, who had heard about the incident. He told us that he'd been patrolling the area ever since and that they'd found the man and got him some help. It was a relief to know that our encounter had led to some positive action. That experience, as terrifying as it was, taught us that life could be unpredictable and sometimes we find ourselves in situations beyond our control. It also reminded us of the importance of looking out for one another, even in the most unexpected circumstances. I always loved being up in the woods of Washington. The cold frigid air cuts through my clothes and makes my bones cold. The kind of cold that makes your soul take a deep breath. I muster my strength upon a steep incline through these woods. I keep on telling myself one more step is all I need. When you know you're in a tight spot you always encourage or for myself I lie to myself. Helps keep me going. I turn around as I finally reach the campsite and welcome the achievement of life that I'm at. The sun is now going down and I pitch up my three step pop-up tent. I begin to crawl into my half-made tent like a dog runs to its kennel after being awake all day. I take my baby wipes out and begin bird bathing myself. Even though I am freezing I know sweat is all over my body especially the amount of layers I wear currently. Jeans off, jacket off, sweater off, socks off, shorts off. I feel relaxed and refreshed cleaning myself off after this 8-hour trek through the woods of Mount St. Helens. I open my map and begin to chart my next destination in dreams of Mount Rainier after St. Helens. Crack I pause and carefully peek out my tent liner. I don't see anyone or anything. I lay down enjoying the nature around me and begin to drift off. Crack I sit up and open my liner and I see a face. A heart pounding in this pale white man runs across my tent into the tree line. I begin looking through my bag to find bear mace and my camping axe. I clutch it with white knuckles as hard as I can and I step out my tent. I turn around and see a ring of men in black robes around my campsite staring at me. I run into my tent and phone for the park rangers. Rangers pick up and I scream help I'm being stalked there's dozens of people around me please get here as fast as possible. I stay in my tent staring at my phone with every minute passing by I become more fearful. Breathing speeding up with every breath anxiety shaking my body. All I hear is who phoned for the rangers? I bolt out of my tent to see two rangers on four wheelers armed with hunting rifles. I look and no one is around us just me and the rangers. I hop on their four wheeler and one hour later I get returned to their office. I get handed a bulky camera and I cycle through the photos. Pictures of me throughout my hike were taken. Distance shots and pics of me even urinating outside. Till this day I don't go to the woods near Mount St. Helens. I had always been fascinated by the eerie stories my Aunt Mabel would tell us about her life in the rural area of western North Carolina, near the Smoky Mountains. As a child, I would listen intently as she spun tales of strange happenings and mysterious creatures that roamed the land. However, I never thought I would experience one of these stories myself. In October of 2022, Aunt Mabel invited me to visit her and her husband, Uncle Pete, for a weekend getaway. Their home was nestled at the foot of the mountains, surrounded by dense woods that seemed to hold a thousand secrets. I was excited to experience the tranquility and beauty of nature, as well as spend some time with my favorite relatives. On the first night of my visit, Aunt Mabel cooked a delicious feast, and we spent the evening reminiscing about old times and laughing at our shared memories. As we were cleaning up after dinner, Uncle Pete mentioned that he had been hearing some strange noises at night lately. He described them as heavy footsteps on their roof, as if some large creature was stomping around up there. Uncle Pete, a practical man who was rarely frightened by anything, assumed it was probably just a large raccoon or some other critter that had found its way onto their roof. However, Aunt Mabel's eyes grew wide, and she shared that the local Cherokee Indians had legends about a creature called the Dog Man, a terrifying beast that was known to stalk the woods around the Smoky Mountains. As the night wore on, we discussed the possibility of the dogman being responsible for the strange noises on the roof. I was both excited and apprehensive about the idea, as I had always been intrigued by cryptids and supernatural phenomena, but I wasn't sure how I would react if I actually encountered one. That night, as I lay in bed, I strained to listen for any strange sounds coming from the roof. At first, there was nothing but the gentle rustling of leaves outside my window, But just as I was about to drift off to sleep, I heard it, a heavy thud, followed by the unmistakable sound of large footsteps. I sat up in bed, my heart pounding in my chest as I strained to hear more. For several minutes, the footsteps continued, moving from one end of the roof to the other. Then, just as suddenly as they had begun, they stopped. I didn't sleep a wink for the rest of the night my mind racing with thoughts of the dog man and what it might be doing on my aunt and uncle's roof. The next morning, I told Aunt Mabel and Uncle Pete about the noises I had heard. They exchanged worried glances, and Aunt Mabel decided that it was time to consult with a local Cherokee elder who was well versed in the legends and lore of the dog man. We spent the day with the elder, learning more about the mysterious creature and its connection to the land. He explained that the dogman was an ancient spirit that guarded the forests, and that it was likely attracted to my aunt and uncle's home because of its remote location. I didn't believe it, but my aunt was into the whole story. That night, I was outside, trying to see what's on roof. I spent whole night, but I never heard or seen anything. Unfortunately, I had to leave next day. I asked my aunt and uncle to call me if they notice a sound on the roof again. Interestingly enough, we never spoke of it again. When I was 11 years old, I went camping with my dad and my stepmom in a small town in West Virginia called Barnum. The park we went camping in was called the Barnum-Whitewater area. Anyways, there wasn't a place to shower, and the bathrooms were just a hole in the ground and there aren't words to describe how vile they were. Our cabin was nice and cozy and was maybe 20 feet away from the river. One night, we decided to leave the campground to grab some food because we had almost no food. So we went to get sown food, it was really good lol. But anyways, we went back to the campground around 9 30 10 and decided to drive around, well, about one fourth of the way around, there is s a girl randomly standing on the side of the road with what looked like a torch, We pulled up to ask her if she was okay, and she froze, we thought she was drunk and drove off. As we came back around, about seven or eight dune buggies come around the corner and you're not allowed to have those in that campground. We were like whatever and went to the cabin. We saw that the screen to the window was pried open like someone tried to break into our cabin. We were debating on leaving and going back to where we live, New Jersey. When a guy comes up to us with that same girl we saw in the woods, he asked if we knew her because she was scaring him and his two kids, he said she tried to tear open the tent. We said no and he walked off and the girl followed. We decided to get the hell out of there and while we were packing inside, she comes up the driveway and sits down on the porch and we tell her to get the hell off of the porch and she starts crying and runs away. The final time we saw her. She came up the driveway and started calling my stepmom her mom and my dad her dad, and we had not a damn clue who the hell this girl was, I can't really remember much about her but I know she was blonde and she was pretty tall. And finally, we left. Now, we called the police, but they said they couldn't help us for two reasons, one we had already left, and two the cops are not active after midnight. What if someone's being attacked, or threatened with a gun? and is about to die or something. We were in shock. So we went back, and drove the freaking four hours back to New Jersey where we live and we didn't get home until like 4 AM. The weekend started like any other, no plans, just the anticipation of relaxation. But that all changed when my friends barged into my home on Friday morning, announcing a spontaneous trip to Udi, Tamil Nadu. At first, I hesitated, but their infectious excitement won me over, and I agreed to tag along. We were a group of five, traveling in a rented car. It wasn't until we were on the road that we realized we hadn't booked a hotel in Udi. Frantically searching online, we discovered that every hotel was fully booked due to the long weekend. Undeterred, we continued our journey, hoping to find accommodation upon arrival. As we reached Udi in the late evening, I stumbled upon a hotel called I India Hotel, located on the outskirts of the city. It had great reviews, and the pictures looked promising. Desperate for a place to stay, I called the contact number listed on Google Maps, but the call wouldn't connect. Then, in a stroke of luck, I found another contact number in a recently uploaded photo. The man who answered confirmed that they had rooms available at a reasonable rate. However, he insisted that we pay a 50% advance to secure our reservation. Suspicious, we decided to visit the hotel in person before handing over any money. Upon arrival, we found the hotel nestled in a quiet, wooded area, away from any other buildings. It was an eerie, isolated spot. My friend and I got out of the car to investigate, while the others waited near the entrance. The hotel's exterior was well lit, but there was no sign of life inside. We called out, but our voices were met with silence. A creeping sense of unease settled over us as we peered through the windows, noting the tastefully decorated interior. Suddenly, we felt as if we were the only people around, and that staying there would be extremely dangerous. We tried calling our friends in the car, but the connection failed. With adrenaline pumping through our veins, we made a split-second decision to leave and sprinted back to the car. As we sped away, we were plagued with questions. Who was the man on the phone? Why had he uploaded the contact information at that exact moment? Why was the hotel empty when the rest of the town was packed? And why were the lights on if the place was closed? The next day, we met a park ranger named Emily, who worked in the area. Intrigued by our story, she told us that there had been a series of scams targeting tourists in the region. People would pose as hotel staff and try to collect advance payments for non-existent reservations. The hotel we'd visited had been closed for renovations, and the owners were unaware of the scam. I always felt safe and secure. I was 16 and had just started dating my future husband, Tom. One night, we were hanging out with his best friend, Matt, in the parking lot of a local park. We were just chatting and laughing when we noticed a huge tow truck parked on the main road. It seemed odd, but we shrugged it off and continued our conversation. After about 20 minutes, it was time for me to head home. I said my goodbyes and got into my tiny car as I drove past the tow truck, it started up and began following me. At first, I thought I was just being paranoid, but the feeling persisted as I drove 10 miles south to my neighborhood. When I turned into my neighborhood and the tow truck followed, my heart raced. Not wanting the driver to know where I lived, I stopped my car near the entrance, just off the main road. The tow truck stopped behind me and I held my breath as a man emerged and walked toward my car. With my heart pounding, I tried to make sense of the situation as he approached. When he was about 15 feet away, he casually said, get out of the car. No, I shouted, and without hesitation, I sped away. I drove around the neighborhood for 15 minutes, trying to calm down. I called Tom, who tried to convince me to report the incident to the police. I was too afraid that my mom would ground me, so I never did. The next day, Tom and I went back to the park to see if the tow truck was still there. Instead, we encountered a park ranger named Rob. We explained our encounter with the tow truck driver, and Rob's face grew serious. He told us that there had been reports of an unknown predator stalking the area, possibly looking for vulnerable teenagers. Rob urged us to report the incident to the police and promised to keep an eye out for the tow truck. I finally agreed, and we filed a report together. The police never found the tow truck driver, but I often wonder what could have happened if I hadn't been so quick to react that night.